Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Sally. I'm Linda. I'm Ming. And we're moving along. Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast. Today is the 40th episode and we're talking about a very fun, interesting topic. Uh, it's a very good time to talk about this topic because Linda and Ming are both um, starting to learn Chinese and Taiwanese. And so today we thought we would talk about learning our heritage language, which is Chinese slash Taiwanese. But more into that later. First, let's start off with our weekly recap. And Linda, do you want to go first? Um. Okay, so I have two pieces of nice news to share. The first is that I got a raise. I told Ming, I think yesterday, but... Oh, yeah. It was like a total surprise. And the HR person called me, and I didn't even read the letter yet. But she was like, oh, your salary has been prorated. And there's been like market fluctuations. So people of your same like job title are going to get paid the same amount. So they raised my salary. I was like, okay. And then so I was like, this is like some random thing, not because of anything I did to like get a raise. But then my grand boss called me like two days later and was like grand boss. my boss's boss like our director and she was like oh mm-hmm. i wanted to make sure that you were on the list for getting a raise and i was like wow that's so nice so it was a very surprising thing but also like good news and i think the other thing is happening is that i'm going back to our alma mater to which one what do you which mean, which one? Mater? UMD, girl. Roosevelt, no. UMD. Okay. I don't think high school counts as an alma mater, right? Or does it? I mean, you still went there. Okay, I mean, anyway. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. But I wouldn't be sharing it. Why are you um, going back? So FCA invited me to talk as they're like, they said keynote speaker and they're giving me an honorarium. So they're trying to be like fancy or not trying. They're like making it kind of official, but they're doing like an art <laughs> event on Friday. Ooh. So I have to go and talk about stuff so wait you're physically going it's not no, over zoom? it's on zoom it's on zoom oh yeah. okay <laughs> so i feel like a proper senpai now uh, okay. <laughs> wow you're being elevated in like all areas of your life mm-hmm. yeah must be nice <laughs> sally sally so you something to share? To <laughs> um i have nothing to share well, okay I have something to share because I went on a family trip this weekend. Mm. Um, we went to Patapsco for hiking and mm-hmm. we ended up like we couldn't find the trail. So we ended up just like like climbing, like scaling the mountain scaling. to go back up the trail. <laughs> what? And then like I was surprised my mom and dad could handle <laughs> such vigorous wow. activity, but they, they got it in them. <laughs> so then after hiking that... We went to this really good Korean restaurant that it was my first time going there and I like found it on Yelp mm. or I think I first saw it on Instagram but it's called Kimbap Nara and it was really good and then had like dessert afterwards. We had a whole full course meal in Ellicott City and then we headed back. But yeah, it was a wholesome weekend for me. Aww. I had no pay raise or anything. <laughs> but <laughs> Were you invited to be a guest? Wait. Not even a guest no, speaker. No, I was not. A... 
I, oh, I no one invited me, but okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Mink? Uh, yeah, my my week has been basically. Um, I don't know. I feel like I forgot everything before the election. So when we're re- recording this episode, it's Wednesday, the day after. So <laughs> it's been. I don't know. It's been weird because at work we're very, I guess, in tune with what's happening in terms of politics and. At least the people I speak to are willing to talk about it, so it's been a lot of kind of reassuring each other and, like, checking in, which is honestly weird. Like, Linda, you said that your people were calling you to check in, too, and Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know what to say other than, like, we're all in the same, like, boat, so. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. it's been a lot of that today at work. I'm kind of behind because of, well, for several reasons. I've been, like, procrastinating in meetings and stuff like that, but. Yeah, I'm behind on some work, so I had to, like, work overtime to catch up on that. But, yeah, I mean, no promotions for me or raises, but it's all good. <laughs> it's fine. Wait, <laughs> Sally, did it talk about the election in your lab? Actually, um, no one really talked about it, except for at, the, like, the last five minutes of our lab meeting that just ended. This guy was, like, talking. He was, like, mentioning it in passing it's like this is nerve like nerve wracking just as watching the results of the election or something like that. <laughs> but then he was like, oh, "I didn't talk about it. No, I didn't talk about it. I don't what? know." But yeah, <laughs> people are just I guess because we're like mm. science focused, we don't want to get too political at work. I don't know, but I feel like it's been very quiet this election, especially since we're not in college. No one's like mm. watching the results together or anything. So like even on social media. It's been relatively, like, quieter than I thought it would really? be. I don't know. I think we follow different people, Sally. Okay, maybe we just follow different people. <laughs> My social media has been wild. I basically, I put, um, what is it, like, bl- app, like, time limits on my social media. Um, especially, mm-hmm. like, Instagram because I've, it's just been, like, too much. But I've been having, like, uh, ongoing conversation with Sebastian, our last guest, because he's been, like, talking to me about, like, what's happening with all the states and like everything like that and it's kind of nice to like feel like i actually know what's happening but it's also kind of overwhelming well i don't know what's happening <laughs> i'll just wait till the end and see them yeah, yeah. No one really knows. at this point that's all you can do mm-hmm. so as sally mentioned today we're going to talk about learning a heritage language um which is a language that's learned by speakers at home as kids but never fully developed because of insufficient input from the social environment. So Sally and I are heritage speakers. Um, I think English was my second language. I don't know about Sally if they were kind of concurrent, but you know, either way, we are both heritage learners and Ming is also learning Chinese right now. So I guess let's start there because I think Sally and Ming both went to Chinese school. so how did you first get into the class um and what was it like i think sally was the only one that officially went to chinese school so yes go ahead i'll talk so i actually started chinese school kind of late for people who go to chinese school usually people put them usually parents put their kids into chinese school like literally as soon as they're born (laughs) Like, as soon as they're able to be in class, like, kindergarten, pre-K. But Mm. I guess my parents didn't really know about Chinese school, or they didn't know which Chinese school was good until I started getting older. So I joined Chinese school when I was in third grade. And 
because I was a little older, I had to, and like I hadn't learned Chinese before, I had to go back down to like two grades. So I started in first grade in Chinese school while I was in third grade in like public school or private school, whatever. And that was kind of embarrassing because I was like the oldest one in, in my <laughs> class. But also people were pretty chill, so it was okay. But I had to start from the basics, like the phonetics, bopomofa stuff. Um, and I learned that we learned like the Taiwanese Chinese system. So like using um, the phonetics instead of pinging and we use traditional instead of simplified. And at the time I was very like, I guess against learning Chinese because it was a big change to my whole schedule. Before that year, like mm. I would relax you know, on Sundays after church, I would just go home or like I would play with my friends and then go home. But then suddenly I had a new thing to my schedule. I had like Chinese homework and it was pretty intense since I had to catch up for what they learned in pre-K and kindergarten. And it was just like a lot more on top of my work, like my regular school schedule. And it was my first time learning Mandarin because I spoke Cantonese at home. So like some of the kids in my class already had some background in Mandarin because they spoke it at home. But I was like coming in fresh with no knowledge. So I felt a little bit, I guess, intimidated by that. And yeah, I guess through my parents, like support and telling me to stay <laughs> in school, I eventually finished Chinese school and graduated. I ended up skipping some um, some grades mm. at the end because we didn't have enough people in our classes. So then I graduated on time, like I graduated 12th grade at the same time as graduating 12th grade in American school. So it all worked out. <laughs> Wait, maybe you can um, give a little bit more background because I know we may have talked about this. We definitely talked about this off the podcast, mm -hmm. but when I hear your story, I have like maybe two, maybe three like initial questions. The first one being your family speaks um, Cantonese at home. So why were you learning Mandarin, okay. I guess? And is Mandarin... Wait, wait, I, wait one I'm going to just list one all my questions. Oh, okay, okay, fine. Fine. <laughs> fine. So why i learned mandarin is because it is the dominant language spoken by most chinese people and as a speaker of the non-dominant language most people have to learn the dominant language in order to communicate with more people i guess my mm. parents just thought it would be more like it would be more useful for me to learn mandarin um which they were right mm. like going to taiwan if i didn't know mandarin i would be so screwed but also, I think it's easier to learn Mandarin when you're learning the written language because what you say in Mandarin is more close to what you write. But in Cantonese, we have mm. so many colloquial terms that you wouldn't write out when you're writing Chinese. So it would be more confusing. Also, Cantonese is just a harder language to learn. Like, I still don't know Cantonese. Like, in and Is out. it true? It has more yeah, tones Yeah, I think it has nine tones, Mandarin? but I don't even know what the tones are. <laughs> I just say what I like. No, nope. girl, I'm struggling with four. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. My other question then was, okay, if you're learning Mandarin, why did you go to a uh, Taiwanese okay. school? Well, that and not has to do with. Well, first off, I think my parents wanted me to learn traditional words rather than simplified because, you know, traditional mm. superior. <laughs> they. <laughs> It's traditional because Linda. the words can show the root of the meaning, like the root meaning of the word, and it shows more. It just has more information that helps you remember the word, and it like makes the character makes more sense. 
Literally, no one I know is this passionate about okay. traditional. Well, maybe if you learn traditional, you would understand. But yeah, oh, 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 oh. my um, I had one Chinese teacher who was really passionate about um teaching us like the ancient origins of the words, like from the when it used to be like a drawing, and then he would like show us how it evolved into the modern or the traditional characters that they are now. But yeah, he could use that mm-hmm. to explain why the traditional characters are the way they are now. So. You can't get that from Simplified. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. Oh my god. Um, also because a lot of people in my... So a lot of people in my church went to this Chinese school. And the people that recommended it to me were from... Or to my parents were from our church. So we just followed their recommendation. And it just happened to be Taiwanese. Like a lot of Taiwanese people teaching. Mm. So that's why. Okay. I didn't really question my it. My third and final question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is so do your parents speak uh mandarin at okay so like do they understand my dad speaks mandarin because he grew up in china in southern china so they had Mm. to speak they had to learn mandarin in school but they spoke the cantonese like throughout with their family and like with friends i guess Mm -hmm. Um, my mom can understand mandarin like listening to it but she doesn't speak very well because in hong kong you don't have to learn mandarin you just learn like chinese um like Hong Kong Cantonese and then I think they learned English in school because she went to a private school I don't know but yeah it's yeah I, the education that you like grew up with I guess really like it changes depending on where you're from I guess mm-hmm. yeah yeah maybe that's what uh Linda can get into more because like you said Linda you didn't go to um a Chinese school at all right Mm-mm. so do you want to tell your story and maybe i can ask you more questions <laughs> my story i i don't think there is a story i just never went um but my mom is a chinese teacher though at oh chinese mm-hmm. and calligraphy um so i think i like passively learn stuff um i think i said i didn't want to go and they just never made me go it's surprising that your mom I still... didn't make you go even though she's huh? a chinese teacher <laughs> yeah you know i really don't remember i think i was used to getting my way as a child you still get your way i think i threw it what (laughs) i might have thrown some tantrums (laughs) at five years old about chinese school but also because i think there weren't a lot of like chinese schools available where we were um and you had to like there was a lot of like logistical things like you had to drive there and then like mm. pick up the kids um and like the timing is like usually on the weekend or is like when people are busy so my mom figured she would just like teach me at home or do like stuff together because we would read and we would watch media and things like that so i think my speaking is still pretty good uh but i'm like pretty much completely illiterate <laughs> but I think that's survivable. Hmm. Do you ever wish you went to Chinese school or had some type of more formal education? I feel like um, kind of, yeah. But since I don't think I'm going to invest that much effort into learning to read or write, but I can invest effort into like practicing speaking more um, and talking to other people. Because I feel like if you speak as well as a native speaker that should that would be good enough for me because i can 
watch shows and understand them or I can talk to, um, I guess, fobs or when I go back, I can <laughs> communicate and like hopefully make friends there. I think that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. When I was younger, um, I used to go to like adoption like meetups, I guess, like with people from my same orphanage, I think. This was when I was very young, so I, I have very faint memories of it but i remember this one girl's name only because the whole time we were there she was bragging about how she got to go to chinese school uh, her name um was waverly and she was talking about how like on saturdays she would go to chinese school and she showed us i think she actually pulled out her homework and was like showing us and i just remember feeling like super jealous of the fact that she got to do that and like it never crossed my mind until I met other, like, Chinese-Americans that going to Chinese school was not normally a, like, des- desired thing, thing. Or, <laughs> yeah, or, like, something, like, most of the time when I hear about it, it's, like, people complaining about it or be like, oh, yeah, I went to piano classes and then Chinese school, like, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, but in my mindset before that, I was, like, wow, like, to go to Chinese school, that'd be really cool. <laughs> Mm. Um, I mean, did you ever so, yeah. ask your mom to go to Chinese school, or did she feel some type of way about going? Um, I don't remember ever asking her when I was younger. I think it was just like not. I don't know. I feel like when you're you little, just expected her. No to, little kid, like like yeah, like mm-hmm. asks to be enrolled in something. It kind of just like your parents do it or don't. So mm-hmm. I don't remember asking about it. But um, a few months ago, I was talking to my mom about it, and I asked her like why she never considered it. And it was kind of almost the same reason as your mom, Linda, where it was just, you know, something else to take me to. I was doing a lot of hobbies as a little kid, and she thought that another class or another, like, weekly event would be too much. And, you know, it was hard to find classes, or she didn't know where to start to find mm-hmm. classes, especially as, like, a white woman. Like, yeah. you actually have to do your research to find places. So it was just, like, not something that she thought I would want to do enough to prioritize it, I guess. And then I told her, like, oh, I kind of wish I did, but, you know, now I'm an adult, so it's up to me. Mm-hmm. Were you ever provoked when you came to my house and my mom told <laughs> you to start learning Chinese? Linda, you're asking this because you know I was provoked. <laughs> uh, expand. Yeah. I mean, Wait, that's why I'm so surprised that your mom never forced or, like, tried to convince you to go to Chinese school. Because I remember one of my first memories... Uh, of going over to your house is your mom like telling me that I should learn Chinese and then trying to rope you into teaching me or like <laughs> Linda like Linda can help you practice <laughs> Linda will help teach you I at the time in my like identity I guess period I was like not that comfortable with the idea of learning Chinese and I, I felt like it was too much pressure and I don't know it just made me kind of uncomfortable so I didn't even though your mom's a literal teacher I didn't try to like reach out and like get guidance or resources from her no i was also um, provoked by linda's mom <laughs> like wait what <laughs> i think okay i think my chinese when i'm speaking to her is like really bad but anyways when i was i think she was re- telling me that oh you should take chinese in college and then i remember i took like a chinese placement test a while back um in like the summer before i started college and i got into like one of the highest levels but then she was like oh you should start from the 100 cool. level class <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wait did she say why no she was like oh i think you would be good for the 100 level or like 200 i don't know but like one of the lower levels and i was like mm, oh i think one of the reasons might be that she was teaching it 
okay she has like that hustler mentality mm. so she's like always trying to lure people into her class and she tells me to like tell my friends to go to her class or whatever I'm like okay mom but obviously I never do um but also like she just does that like whenever racists yell at us they're like ni hao whatever and then she's like actually you should pronounce it this way and she like um she like doesn't even react to like the racism she's like teaching them all of a sudden I'm like an unbothered queen <laughs> honestly that's such a great mm-hmm. mentality for her but yeah I don't know um I guess we all had pretty different experiences in terms of like at the very beginning of starting to um, learn the language. You were either like taken there or like not taken there. But when you got older, maybe, I don't know, did you guys have friends growing up who did, obviously Sally did, (laughs) who went to Chinese school. But like Linda, when you were growing up, did you ever feel like, oh shoot, maybe I do want to go? Or maybe like when in your mind did you realize maybe I should like learn a little bit more or like... I guess that comes along with engaging with your culture more, uh, mm. activating the diaspora, oh as like you like to say. <laughs> um, I think I was like discouraged from doing it because when I used to go to church in like middle school or whatever, that's when I would interface with other Chinese American kids, and like the church was like, oh my God, I hated it because they were like kind of conservative, and the kids were all like mm. weird and like church like. I don't know. I just like didn't get along with them, so I'm like if this is what Chinese school is going to be like, then, like, I don't see the appeal. Mm-hmm. And why do I don't you, think I really had a... Why do you associate huh? the church with Chinese school? I mean, technically, they're two Oh, it separate. was a Chinese church. But this Chinese school was in your church? There are some that are, like, connected. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if yours was, but oh, they mine would was go separate. to church, and then the kids would... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the kids would like learn Chinese or whatever because it was also kind of like a daycare mm-hmm. system because the parents would go to the, I guess, the church event and they would like leave their kids to like people to teach them stuff. <laughs> Interesting. Ming, did. Oh. Sally. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, okay, I'll go for, first, I guess. So. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, what was the question? How did my. <laughs> my view of it change growing up I guess or like did it change cause were you ever well you said that you were like kind of reluctant to go because you lost some of your mm-hmm. free time did that perspective of Chinese school or like engaging yeah. with your culture even more like change I think ever? when I was like in Chinese school it was more like going through the motions for me and eventually I just got it was just part of my routine so I was like used to it but I mean throughout mm-hmm. the way a lot of my friends that I made in Chinese school dropped like actually like, basically all of my friends from Chinese school dropped it um, before graduating so that like every time one of my friends was telling me oh I'm quitting Chinese school that just like hurt me a lot <laughs> and like it made me <laughs> discouraged to keep going but I don't know I just kept going with it and I think by the end of it, I was doing it more for just like passing rather than actually learning Chinese, which kind of sucks, like mm. thinking back at it. But I think I did like in the end, I did get like gain a lot from it. And I was able to read signs when in Taiwan, which like yeah, I can. You're so helpful. I can only attribute that to my Chinese school experience. So mm. you were also mm. there for a long time, like from third yeah. grade to 12th grade. Mm. That's like eight years or something. Wait, okay. Maybe 
we should talk about that for people who don't know at all about Chinese school because like me I had no idea that Chinese school was not just like a I don't know what I thought it was I thought it was not not casual but I thought it was just oh you like go and you're like almost tutored kind of on the weekends and you like learn Chinese I didn't realize it's like an actual like school system where you have grades and like you graduate at the end and it's supposed to be like correlate to your high school like yeah. English high school experience I didn't realize it was so structured well, I think in it that depends way. on the so, Chinese school because oh, okay. there are some Chinese schools that are less structured that I've heard stories about and there's even like Cantonese schools that I've heard some of my friends going to but I don't know why my parents didn't bring me to those schools I think also some of those schools weren't as like intensive as mine I think mine like relatively mine was pretty intensive for a Chinese school which is why a lot of people dropped mm. or moved to a different Chinese school um, because it was very intensive because we had quizzes or not quizzes tests every week and we had to memorize new characters <sighs> every week um we like every year we had to do a poem like memorization contest thing it, it wasn't really a contest you just had to memorize poems but um and then eventually like the it turned into like writing out the whole poems so by the end of like when i was graduating i had to memorize it was like 30 poems and like write it out and why poems because oh, no. they're it's the culture you know <laughs> The Chinese. <laughs> oh, is it like the Tangshi? Yeah, Tangshi. So, there are like pretty famous poems, but I can only remember like two or three now. And we also had like a speech mm. contest every year. Or it, okay, they call it contest, mm. but it wasn't a contest. It was just you had to present a speech. <laughs> so you had to come up with a speech by yourself or with your parents, which is most what most people did, and then like memorize <laughs> it and then give it in front of an audience every year. So that was really stressful for me too. Mm. but yeah Mm. so was it common or is it common for people to drop out of Chinese school like because sometimes I hear people you know I grew up with several hobbies of like ice skating and stuff like that and eventually you know Mm -hmm. I drop it I got too busy with actual school or like I just fell out of interest but is Chinese school like something that you're committed to like no I mean like for me yeah but for most people it wasn't (laughs) or for most people they were at first but then I think their parents probably realized it was like too much for them on top of their other extracurriculars mm. so then they dropped it which i mean i think it's understandable mm. but it's also i think yeah. that's why like yeah. oh sorry i think i think that's yeah, why yeah, like, yeah. it was unappealing to go to what go ahead oh to go to chinese school because it was just like memorizing and, like writing down their characters mm. and i think i like work hard and watching stuff okay i wanted the cosmopolitan vibe of learning (laughs) chinese like watching the reality shows and stuff because oh my god like reading the old poems like did you like it or was like i mean getting part of the culture yeah i guess it's just getting cultured in that aspect Mm -hmm. i mean when we were little we had more fun things to do in chinese school when our chinese school was blooming (laughs) with business we had like calligraphy (laughs) lessons every once in a while like we had some cultural like fun activities to do like calligraphy we did like i don't know we we also had a chinese new year um festival kind of thing where everyone brought some food it was like a potluck and then there was dancing and like lion dance and stuff like that so that was fun but like they did try to incorporate culture aspects to it to make it a little bit more fun but the day-to-day is like i mean it's Mm. boring i mean even in school if you want to learn something you can't expect everything to be fun 
Like there has to be some memorization, yeah. um, some boring like copying down characters a hundred times or whatever. Mm. So. Oh, Sally. So when my mom was doing Tai Chi, that had like a Chinese school attached to it. So it was like a huge Wait. gym and it split into four sections and like they would oh. be doing Chinese school in the corner and they would be doing Tai Chi in the other corner and the other half of the gym was people playing okay, yeah. racquetball. I don't, like, <laughs> it's not my Chinese school because we're not split into four sections. That's but so distracting. There were, yeah, there was people doing Tai Chi in front of our Chinese school sometimes. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like I, like yeah, the language I really missed out on, I guess. I wish I had learned that, but also like the cultural aspects of it because... I don't know. It sounds like you had at the beginning when it was blooming. <laughs> it sounds like you had basically a whole, like almost immersive kind of like every, uh, what day Su- mm-hmm. Sunday every day would of the week would be like your immersive day, I guess. Um, and Stefan told me the the school he went to was kind of the opposite of yours, where they did, you know, the language basics, and then as they got older, like up into the higher levels, it was almost all cultural mm-hmm. um, things that they were learning. And I, I don't know, I. Honestly, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I wish I got like both of that, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe we could talk more about um, what it was like once you, I don't know, started like really getting into like American school or like, you know, when you start having like after yeah, school extracurriculars like and hobbies. Yeah, high school, especially. It's kind of when you find your social group, I guess, or when it's not just go home, go to school, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, what was it like, I guess, to go to Chinese school? And then also, like, for you, Linda, um, you didn't have Chinese school, but maybe the we can talk about code switching. And was it difficult, you know, like having oh, to speak two different languages, basically, in different environments? <laughs> a lot, but... Okay, I guess I'll go first. Um, been to high school. I guess I didn't really do that many extracurriculars. So it was, like, I think I put, I would learn to be more efficient with my time regarding Chinese school. Like, I would not do anything for most of the week for it. And then I would just cram on Saturdays for the test and, like, do all my homework on Saturdays. So I was, in that way, I guess I was efficient with my time. Although, like, I would forget everything after the test on Sunday. But, you know, that's another thing. Mm. That's what I did for all my classes. So I don't know, I was used to it. (laughs) But... What about you, Linda? Did you have, I don't know, changes in high school? I had no changes in <laughs> high school. I mean, that's when the Produce 101 Season 2 came out, I think. And that, yeah. was, <laughs> that was the Chinese version. I think that did ignite um, another form of like motivation. Because they were like kids our age or like around our age. And so they were talking about like, modern topics so and it was like motivating mm-hmm. to watch because it was an easy transition from watching k-pop to watching this show and i think that came out in junior year or senior year mm-hmm. is that so, when you started like getting more into watching chinese popular culture stuff mm-hmm. yeah or i think it's because like when you get old enough you learn how to like search yeah things true. Out and find <laughs> things on your own without like going to your mom and like mm-hmm. um needing her to read stuff out loud to you needing her to like look at my wechat and like find stuff mm-hmm. um so you look more independent in looking for media i guess yeah did you like growing up did you have a like a source that you watched with your parents for chinese media like for me we had um we had direct tv which gave us 
like uh the tv we also had directed. yeah it like linked us up to the tv channels in hong kong like tvb so we had all mm. the chinese dramas and that was the only cable tv we had so we didn't have like disney or anything or nickelodeon or whatever so <laughs> we had to watch tvb when we were kids so like i grew up watching i don't know like lawyer office dramas forensic dramas all that fun stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah we had like wushu like dramas mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. i don't know where they found it on the tv but somehow it was there and then once we got an ipad and then we could like cast it onto the <laughs> screen that's when like, my mom could like find all the stuff on youtube um and right now she's watching andy lao oh. movies she's like on a marathon it's so violent like whenever i go downstairs it's like people killing each other <laughs> on the screen but it's nice to watch it together <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah, did you think your parents were, like, excited that you were, I guess, both of you becoming more interested in Chinese culture, like, modern pop culture? I feel like it didn't really show that I was being more mm-hmm. into it. Um, recently, there's been, a, like, a we've been more interested in, like, catching up with TVB dramas. There was a period in, I think, like, my high school and college years around that time because we stopped getting direct tv we've been we've been cut off from tvb dramas which is like hong kong dramas for like a good number of years but then recently this new app came came up it's called like tvb encore so i got it on my ipad and my parents also got it and you can watch like most of the tvb shows are on it so you can watch it for free so we've recently been more into that and we can watch it together now hmm Linda, have you shown more interest? Um, I don't think I outwardly show more interest because, like, I think for my mom and I, we watch other stuff. Like, we engage with our inner Mongolian identity. The guy more. on YouTube. Um, yeah, yeah, so we watch this guy on YouTube. Um, he, like, goes around the country and just, like, goes to restaurants and reviews them. Um, and it's pretty fun to watch. And... We listen to like, all right. I think Ming has heard it in my mom's car, like the traditional CDs and oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we're into like the. I think Inner Mongolian culture is kind of different from, I guess, regular mainland, um, media and things. Like sometimes they speak Mongolian, and there's like a dialect of words that's specific to my mom's hometown. Um. So we do engage in that. I've like always been interested. I think the cosmopolitan boy group era was like something for myself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. sense. Okay, moving on to okay. Ming, our most recent Chinese Ming school students. <laughs> Chinese school students. I think um, Chinese school is a very generous way of describing what I'm doing. Uh, it's okay. So I feel like I've talked about this a lot in like my weekly updates, but. I'm basically taking Zoom classes once a week um, with a, it's for adoptees actually. So it's an adoptee teaching other adoptees Mandarin and he offers like several different levels of Mandarin um, based on like HSK. So obviously I'm at level one beginner and um, yeah, it's very flexible actually. Like it's definitely not structured like an actual school. Like there's no real homework really. Um, and it's like whatever he asked us at the first day, like, what do you want to learn? Um, so I can teach you like what you'll actually use. 
So we're not learning poems <laughs> or like any, I mean, not really any cultural stuff either. He said maybe later on we will, but it's literally like what you need to be able to talk and survive with the basics kind of. That's the mentality of it. So we're not even learning how to write or read, which I have mixed feelings about that, but it's all um, verbal and we're using like pinyin. So not even like the bopomofos. Uh, so I don't know. It's like a very condensed version, but um, it's the first time where I felt comfortable enough to actually like really dive into learning because I feel like I've had like a mental block towards learning Chinese specifically like not even other cultural stuff but like the language specifically seems so intimidating and I don't know I have like several mm -hmm. kind of like emotional baggages <laughs> so what that. changed it for you like what spurred you on to learn Chinese or to take a class I guess several things I don't know I've been like especially in high school it really started where I would like oh I'd like look up a few words in Chinese and like try to remember them or sometimes I had Duolingo the app and I would like get into it for a few months and then like you know drop it when I got too busy with school and stuff like that so I think the reason why I'm re really ready to I don't know fully try to learn like put in my best effort is a variety of reasons I guess going to Taiwan was like the first like kick mm -hmm. in my butt because we can talk about this later but going to Taiwan not speaking Mandarin and going with other Asian American like Mandarin speaking people is like kind of a complicated experience I've talked about this before but like I felt like so well I told Sally and Linda I felt kind of like their little pet <laughs> like when you guys would talk with um, people there I would just kind of like stand in the corner and sometimes um, someone would translate for me but I didn't feel like it was your responsibility to so most of the time I would just kind of like browse the shelves <laughs> while you guys were talking to the shop owner or something like that so I think coming back from that I realized that like I would like to learn a little bit more and I don't know like this whole burden was like oh you're you're like already 22 you know it's gonna be so hard to learn a language like you sucked at learning Spanish and Latin so like Chinese is apparently way harder and you know you're already this old but then I don't know what happened. Maybe it was the pandemic being like, you're only 22. Because then I was thinking, like, I'm only 22. Like, I have the rest of my life to be practicing this language. And then I guess dating someone who's willing to teach me or, like, be helpful. Like, Stefan, I don't feel like I'm burdening him by asking him some questions. So, I don't know. I feel like all that combined with the fact that these classes are online and free and taught by other adoptees who understand that experience was like the perfect storm mm -hmm. to being like I might as well try yeah. it mm -hmm. so I'm not saying I don't know if I'll like I don't know how long these classes go for and like who knows how much I'll actually learn from it but it is a start I guess yeah. it's always the hardest mm -hmm. to take the first step sense. I guess <laughs> yes a problem. Very wise. <laughs> I mean you gotta learn enough to pass it on to your child later yeah, that's... You have to learn enough to I... know when people are talking shit about you. <laughs> How would you know? <laughs> okay, I, you can tell based on tone. Because I remember in Taiwan, I feel like uh, you were talking to like some shop owner. And I felt like I was being pitied in that moment. Because you guys kept looking at me. And then, like... I don't know. Stefan later on said like that, that, um, that she was asking why I wasn't speaking. And, like... They were saying, like, oh, she doesn't speak. And then it felt kind of like a pitying kind of circumstance. So, yeah, it, it would have – I kind of knew what was happening, but, like, not – obviously not the mm -hmm. actual words. 
and I don't know for raising a kid I'm kind of okay with them like being better at better yeah. at it than me like I hope they're better at that at it than me mm-hmm. honestly mm. do you feel kind of like obligated to learn or like obligated to be better because sometimes when I see like white people who are taking Chinese and they're like they know more than me I'm kind oh of my like gosh. okay There's... now it's time for me to get back and start taking Chinese <laughs> there's this guy on YouTube this white man he like goes around to these I don't know restaurants in China I guess and he sits down like people think that he doesn't speak Chinese so they talk to him in English and then he like surprises everyone <laughs> that he speaks perfect Chinese and like he posts the video on YouTube <laughs> it's like very I don't know shocking for me when I first found this channel I've seen some videos where, like, someone will be at a restaurant or something, and then the person speaking Mandarin probably uh, is, like, talking about the customer, oh and then he's like, guess what? Or, like, he replies in Mandarin, like, I I knew what you were saying this whole time. Um, but to answer your question, Linda, I don't, I don't feel the same, mm, like, responsibility to learn, or, like, I don't get that feeling, but I will say, like, it's easier for me to talk to white people or non-Asian people, or I guess my family. It's easier to talk to, like, my family about learning Chinese. Like, I'm way more willing to practice and, like, tell them what I've been learning than with you guys, honestly. (laughs) Because I feel like with people who actually speak the language, you know, there is a expectation that comes with it, or, like, I feel like I should be able to pronounce this Mm -hmm. better, or, like, you know. You feel like you're always being, like, corrected? Yeah, correct, corrected or like, mm, mm, like, oh, you could be saying this better. But with like people who don't know any better, they're like, wow, good job. You know how to say hello, like that sort of thing. Which, honestly, that's how I feel about a lot of different things that I'm learning. So it's not just Chinese. Like it's always easier to get approval than correction, yeah, that of makes course. Sense. <laughs> I feel like this reminds so, yeah. me when I was learning Chinese, like Mandarin in Chinese school. Like, I would go home and say my speech to my mom or whatever. And she'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. Because she doesn't really know, like, what the correct tones in Mandarin are supposed to be. Mm. And then I'd go back and say it to my Chinese teacher. He'd be like, this tone is wrong. You say this wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> and I would come back to my mom. She'd be like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, wait, go ahead, Linda. Um, oh, my God. What was I going to say? I guess going back to the comparison part like do you feel like heritage speakers automatically have like an advantage for learning the language um I guess like neurologically when like when you're a developing baby like when your parents talk to you that's when your like neurons are growing at a rapid pace and you're like ingesting the information more but if you look at that white guy who can speak perfect Chinese or whatever like is it ever going to be the same because there's gonna be because culture is so closely tied to language there's going to be so much stuff that that dude doesn't get um yeah but I think we're kind of like at a spectrum because Ming you're like part of the culture now because but you're also not a heritage speaker so yeah yeah that's what um what I was thinking of when you were saying that um I was thinking back to the conversation we had a few episodes ago where Sally was talking about how her significant other if they didn't grow up learning um like mandarin or cantonese wouldn't get the inside jokes and i think that's really that's a really like big difference between someone who's a heritage speaker or has spoken a heritage language like grown up with it or hearing it versus someone who learns it in like a scholarly academic setting like academic speaking 
versus like colloquial speaking in any language is so different and so yeah I feel like there's an inherent advantage because you're young and you can pick it up easier but also because you're like growing up with the culture so it's not just like you're I feel like sometimes that um, something that's thrown me off from learning in an academic setting is that it seems so sterile especially like when I'm paying for maybe if I were to pay for college classes it'd be like I want to learn about the culture and learn more just like connect with that identity part of it but it's literally just like going over like vocabulary mm-hmm. so it's like not the same in my view yeah yeah i agree i think like definitely being a heritage le- heritage speaker language speaker <laughs> uh gives you an advantage uh, over someone who's not but i don't think like i think that even though you're not a heritage speaker i think there you can always like catch up because i mean i feel like being a heritage speaker after like after your maturation you kind of like at a level like you're just like a flat line you're not like growing or anything because you're probably just Mm. using the language with your family you're not like really engaging with like new you're not learning new things you're just like like flat Mm. but then if you're like actively learning then at some part at some point you'll surpass or you'll like get to or maybe even surpass like a heritage speaker Mm. that's a good point i think like one barrier on the other side of that of like entering the speaking or like learning Chinese at like at maturation level is that you miss out on the I guess the language that you hear as a kid because the story that they tell young kids in Chinese like as an adult you're not going to be able to hear those um and like the stuff that they give you like if they give you like homeball or Mm -hmm. something when you're a kid like you're not going to be able to learn that language when you're an adult Mm -hmm. And then I'm just thinking, like, once you have a kid, you're not going to know how to talk to a kid in Chinese, you know, because there's like mm. the baby talk <laughs> that you do that I remember because my mom talks like that to me. But I did I not have the other side of that. Is like, huh? <laughs> I did not have any baby talk growing up. <laughs> OK, you were like, at maturation <laughs> since birth. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's also yeah. I get. What I think mean. it's also interesting. Like, as um, I guess second gen Asian Americans, a lot of people grow up learning, you know, their their Asian language as their first language. Like, I have a friend who learned Cantonese as her first language, but then as she grew older, I guess going into American school, she kind of like she didn't really use that language anymore. And people kind of like at some point they switched to just speaking English to their parents. And then she was telling me one time, like looking back at her baby videos she was surprised that like as a baby she was speaking better cantonese than she was like now as an adult <laughs> just like it's like you're mm-hmm. growing going backwards in terms of language sometimes yeah it also goes back to the point where you were saying that at a certain point you do reach a like a threshold of like what you can learn because when you're speaking with your family or in the same situations i feel like this is true don't quote me on this but I think like the human brain can only contain so many different like words or vocabulary so of course it's going to be the most common ones that you're using that you remember so like other stuff you forget so I mean that's that kind of connects to what you were saying where at some point a lot of like second gen people like will switch their language where like English becomes Mm -hmm. more prominent and like easily accessible in their brain for them especially if you're going to like 
an English-speaking school or if your parents speak to you in English. Like, I always found it very interesting when I would go to my different friends, like, like Chinese-American friends' houses because they interact with their parents in such different ways. Like, each household Mm -hmm. is so unique, even amongst you two. But, like, some of my other friends, like, his parents will speak to him in English um, and he'll, like, speak back in English, but he'll text in Chinese just because he wants to be able to, like, Mm -hmm. remember how to use characters and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, he, but he did it Mm -hmm. intentionally as, like, I'm intentionally going to try to remember how to text, but his parents still speak to him in English. And then there's all sorts of, like, different, like, combinations or where, like, parents will speak in fully, like, Chinese or in Chinglish mm-hmm. or whatever. So, I don't know. It's very interesting, and I think it shapes how you end up engaging with that language and then teaching your, your you know, prodigy, mm-hmm. <laughs> your your children. Lena, did you mm-hmm. have a, Sally, I don't know. Did you have a rule what? growing up that you could only speak Chinese in your household, or is it just something that you like you just spoke back in Chinese automatically without thinking about it Mm, okay I think this is where things started to go downhill (laughs) for me because they would (laughs) speak to me in Mandarin and I would respond in English Mm -hmm. I think that's where like the neurons are missing each other most people are like that though like most second gen yeah Mm, it's easier to respond in English but even though if you can understand everything that's happening like just like pull all the words in your brain and string a sentence together is like the hardest part um mm. I mean I did try like it was like encouraged it wasn't like a total rule um but I think doing Chinglish helps yeah. at least some parts because you're at least putting some words in the sentence and like your sentence structure may not be the best but at least all the words are mm. in there yeah yeah Sally, what about you mm. yeah I think for me my parents like the same way they try to encourage us to speak Chinese in the house and I try my best to only reply in Chinese like especially now I guess I feel like I'm getting a little better in my Cantonese now that I've like I've been living at home for since junior year so but there was definitely a time where I saw my Chinese like getting worse when I wasn't living at home but I think it also depends on what order of birth you're in <laughs> like for me I'm the older sibling and oh, my sister yeah. um mm-hmm. Because she's younger, I guess she talks, because she has more time talking to me in English, she also speaks English more to my parents at home. And I, I, she has a harder time, like, thinking of the Chinese words when she's trying to reply to people in Chinese. Mm. Whereas I think me, when I was just an only child, I had more experience talking in Chinese to my parents. So I had no oh, one to yeah, distract me. Yeah, that's a good me. point. Yeah. That's how it is with my brother, too, because I think when we were little, like, we could only talk to our parents in Chinese, but now, like, my brother has a choice to talk to me in English since he was born, yeah. so. Is it just me, and, or is it, like, yeah, weird point. to talk to your sibling in Chinese? Because I never talk to my sister in Chinese. It's just weird. Yeah, it is weird, but sometimes, like, some words, like, only we would know, That's I guess. True. Like, yeah. I'd say, Leo, pass me the shan job here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he would. <laughs> okay. Um, Do you want to move on? to our experience we teased about this a little bit let's talk more about our experience <laughs> traveling to taiwan which is a chinese speaking country or is it a country mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just um, say it's a country yeah <laughs> let's not get into that <laughs> um yeah i mean we all had we all have different levels of i guess mandarin and then like literacy levels so i guess everyone can speak mm-hmm. to their own experiences I know for sure, like, Sally, you seem the most 
able to read signs or directions, I think, or uh, like packaging. I, I remember sometimes like going to you to ask you to read the packaging mm-hmm. for me. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like total... I feel like at the beginning, I was very, like, overwhelmed just, like, by being in a new yeah. country. Um, so, like, everything was overwhelming. And then slowly, like, you guys would, like, explain one word or something like that. Or I'd hear this word over and over again. Um, so, like, I kind of picked up, like, very small words much faster than I would have, like, here in America. But it was still hard, mm-hmm. I guess. But maybe mm-hmm. you guys can explain your experiences. Okay. Well, I'll go first. As a like, not very good Mandarin speaker. Um, like, yeah, I could read some basic words on packaging, but then when I had to talk to people, sometimes I would just, like, I don't know why, but sometimes when people talk really fast, I just wouldn't pick up anything that they said. Like, especially, I felt the pressure when I was, like, paying, and they were asking me questions. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, they would say, like, do you want a plastic bag? But I guess I didn't know the word for plastic bag in Chinese. So then I'd be like, what? Shema? <laughs> And then, and then they would just repeat what they said, and I still wouldn't know what they said. So, like, times like that were kind of frustrating for me. Like, mm. kind of felt like my Chinese education failed me. But... Because <laughs> you didn't know plastic Because they didn't teach us, like, a lot of use, like, words that I use in, like, real life. You were learning poem. Yeah. I was learning, like, because we did it by lessons, so I was learning, like, thematic words. Like, I know how to say dinosaur, mm. but not plastic bag. <laughs> but yeah what about you linda um i think because i learned like standard dialect mandarin at home sometimes the taiwanese accent would throw me off Mm -hmm. and they would like talk really fast and i remember sally and i would like do an interaction and then it'll be over and then we're like what did they say like (laughs) we're just handing stuff over and like pointing and handing stuff back um Mm -hmm. but i felt like it was a nice chance to practice like i really enjoyed talking to that taxi driver um mm-hmm. when we were in the car together because i guess there was no choice you had to talk to him when he's talking to you so that was really nice also talking to the tattoo artist because mm-hmm. um, yeah. it was like a sustained conversation yeah. i think the other times i talked in a sustained way was to stefan's parents um and that was pretty easy because it was like low pressure um but it was nice to know that there's no other choice. Like, you have to pull out everything you know to, like, survival. make this happen. <laughs> yeah. But I wish I did um, I wanted to read. Yeah, that makes sense. What were you saying? I wanted to bring up a point that was kind of on my mind a lot. And it's, like, the f- being Asian-American, um, especially, like, Chinese-American in a Chinese-speaking country, you could say, um... I guess people could tell that we were not natives, but I always, maybe this was like my own internal like pressure, but I thought that because I appear Asian and like, like I'm obviously not a white tourist or not a white person, like I should be able to kind of pick up some of the words or be able to communicate. And especially, like I said at the beginning, being around you guys who can talk um, and engage in conversation, I felt like, um, when I didn't participate or when I couldn't, then the person would be like, oh, like surprised or like kind of taken aback almost. So it felt like even like double the pressure because if I was just like a white tourist, I don't think I would mm-hmm. care that I couldn't speak the language or I wouldn't feel that yeah. pressure to be able, like the expectation wouldn't be there. So I'm wondering for you guys who can speak the language, but still, you know, did you ever feel like 
your language skills weren't up to the par of like what people were expecting mm-hmm. or yeah definitely especially when it's like a high ex- like a fast exchange environment then i would feel like i couldn't keep up but it was if it was like with someone like like tattoo artists they knew we were foreigners like if if it's from someone that wouldn't know right off the bat that you're a foreigner then i would feel like a lot of pressure but then if it's with like Stefan's mm-hmm. parents or the tattoo artist who already knew before that we were like foreigners then i feel like it was less of a burden to like mm. be up to par with their standards yeah mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense i think another thing is that um i have like a not like a beijing accent maybe sometimes but definitely not what you have like a Taiwanese mainland people accent sound like yeah a mainland <laughs> accent not what Taiwanese people sound like mm-hmm. when they're talking in mandarin so i think that distance of it i was trying to like hide it and like camouflage mm. but obviously like <laughs> it didn't work because the the taxi driver was like what are you doing here because i think during that time it was like around the election and people from the mainland like couldn't come over uh, when we were there mm. so i did get some questions about that um because my accent was so obvious <laughs> i guess um, but i they can kind of tell yeah. like sometimes just by looking at you that you're not yeah i also feel yeah. embarrassed by my accent when i try to speak mandarin because like no one told me this i guess except for the taxi driver no one in taiwan really told me this upright but in chinese school i would always get comments from like mandarin speakers saying like oh your your chinese sounds exactly like a hong kong or it's chinese <laughs> like they could tell i wasn't mandarin or like a mandarin speaker mm. Okay, people like your accent though. Like uh, all the shop people were like giving you stuff. I feel so like yeah. I I, didn't they say it was like cute or like yeah, I don't like being called cute? cute. That. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, maybe on the converse, like on the opposite side of this though, I also felt like a competing emotion of feeling like kind of nice that I could fit in, like visually fit in, um, and it was only like when I opened my <laughs> mouth <laughs> that I didn't fit in. But uh, maybe you guys experienced that as well of like. Even more so, the fact that you could at least communicate, you felt more like mm-hmm. self-assured being there. You could be more adventurous than a typical tourist might yeah. be able. And I re- there was one situation where I still like it's a very, I still feel like very happy from it. And it was very small. It was when we were at the pagodas, um, the dragon and li- mm-hmm. uh, tiger ones, um, and everyone was taking pictures because it's a very touristy spot. And there was like one couple or. I think it was a couple and they were asking our group to take a photo of them and I don't know why I don't know why it was me that ended up being the one taking a picture of them but it was and I mean they didn't know that I didn't speak Mandarin but uh, like you could tell that they wanted their photo taken and then I was able to like count down like you know like three two one like taking a picture and I was nervous because I was like oh should I even attempt it should I just you know, use my fingers to, like, indicate it, but then I was like, okay, I'm gonna try, because literally just three numbers, and then I said it, and then they didn't, like, seem surprised or anything, so I was like, wow, Infiltrated. that feels kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I successfully, like, disguised and, like, mm-hmm. was able to pull that off, and it was such a small thing, but yeah, yeah, that was a good yeah, memory I can, for me. Definitely a I mean, maybe that couple was also <laughs> a foreigner, like, oh, who knows, but, you know, I'm gonna take it. <laughs> but yeah, I can definitely relate to, like, the sense of, like, pride being successfully camouflaged into society um <laughs> okay this isn't specific to our taiwanese to our taiwan trip but when i think the first time i went back to hong kong 
um, in high school. I hadn't been back for since I was a baby. So it was my first time back in a long time. And I was talking to like a store owner in Cantonese and she was telling me like she was I was telling her where like what I was doing or she was asking me about me or something. And then I told her that I was originally from America. And then she was surprised because she thought I was like a Hong Kong person. Like at that moment, I was like, wow, I can actually pass as a Hong Konger. Like my Cantonese is that good. (laughs) But yeah, it makes me feel really proud and like. I don't know, just being in a country or in a place where um, everyone kind of looks like you and like, like you're not that mm. short when you're in Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know, mm. hearing like, especially when I was in Hong Kong, like hearing people talk my like home language felt very comforting. Like it felt like I was home, even though I've never I hadn't been in Hong Kong for like 10 plus years. Mm. Mm. Oh, I felt super integrated when we met up with the other Tassa people in Taiwan because it felt like we had friends in the area. Mm-hmm. Like, and then yeah. we all went to, I think, karaoke or something. It kind of felt like even though we were all speaking English, like we could be a regular group of friends in Taiwan, mm-hmm. just like going on our daily life or something. Yeah. So it felt nice not to be like transplanted there, but we met up with people we knew who were actually there and who had like ties to the geography Mm -hmm. i guess so Mm. yeah that felt um it was really fun yeah but oh my gosh the point like i mean when you mentioned like the dragon and tiger pagoda that was when my cover was lifted (laughs) and you know when we were trying to find that uber car that was like a stab in my heart because we were trying to like read the signs and they had like pinion on the label so like oh my god when i talked to them on the phone i think i passed for like a local who knows how to use uber in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess when, when I was trying to read the street sign I was like what is this and because you can't really sound it out mm-hmm. and we're like running around I don't know if you remember we're running around the block I think I remember the driver was going like the opposite direction or like we were running in like the same like around the same block but we keep we kept messing we kept missing each other because we kept running around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean it got in but it was so embarrassing <laughs> Oh my god, Did he said that? look for, um, I said look for four Asian people, and he's like, Why are you, you kidding me, that? you look like four Asian people, like, how are you supposed to, <laughs> no, he said like, Wait, did you... you actually say that? No, because he asked, he was like, do you guys look American so I can pinpoint you at, like, at once, I was like, no, actually, we look Asian, all oh of god. us, and then he was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> do, um, do you think that, I guess? I, this would be hard to answer, but do you think that um, when we were in Taiwan, like natives had have a higher expectation of Asian tourists, like in general, maybe, or maybe Sally, when you've been to Con- Hong Kong, do you find that like they're happier when they know you can speak Cantonese, or like they have higher expectations, or like I don't know, I just wonder what it's like to because in America, like when you see tourists, like they probably don't look like you, like. You know, we're such a melting mm-hmm. pot or whatever, but like in that situation, mm-hmm. I don't know. Or, like, have you ever had interactions I feel like in with Hong them? Kong? I don't feel like people see me as a tourist because I can speak the language, except for one time when I tried to order food, I didn't know how to read it. But I feel like most time, like <laughs> I can successfully camouflage. But I think in Taiwan, it's it was more obvious that we were tourists. I think sometimes people can just tell that we're American just by, like, the way we dress also. Or, like, the way mm. we pre- present ourselves. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, was it Stefan that said, like, oh, like, we're definitely foreigners because everyone was wearing, like, long or, uh, like, short pants. Long pants, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they yeah. were wearing coats. Like, yeah. winter They coat. were, like, all bundled up. <laughs> and for us, like, mid-70s was kind of, like, nice, especially in January. So I was, like, wearing shorts <laughs> one time and, like, was the only person on the entire street, like, wearing shorts. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, nonverbal yeah. cues that were foreigners. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. There's a burden on us, like as tourists. I feel like as like once people find out that we're tourists, they have lower expectations of us. Mm. <laughs> so I don't think there's a burden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's nice. Yeah. Like lean into that. It's kind of a relief because they don't expect anything from you, and they're like more likely to help you or like to hold your mm-hmm. hand when. Yeah, I feel like they're nicer when they find out you're a tourist. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Also, you're, like, more willing to spend mm-hmm. money, probably, because <laughs> you're just visiting. Mm. Um, do you feel the same way, like, when you go to, I don't know, I mean, h is Korean, right? But, like, when you go into more um, Chinese encla- enclaves Enclave? in America, <laughs> Chinese communities, um, do you feel that way? Or I guess because people there are mostly, like, Chinese-American mm. as well. Like, they live that hybrid. Yeah. Hybrid life yeah yeah i think that in chinese american communities i mean I, th- I feel like we fit right in i mean we are chinese american um like there's no expectation that you have to speak chinese everyone can speak english in these communities so mm, i mean there's also kind of a competition like you see on this like subtle asian dating you want someone who can speak your native mm-hmm. language to like impress your parents or something mm-hmm. um i think that's like a thing that parents do like my child has gone has graduated <laughs> chinese school or whatever it's like a, a mark of pride mm-hmm. or something that's true hmm. yeah like um sally or linda if you brought someone home who was chinese american would your parent i mean i guess your parents would expect them to be able to speak at least mandarin because it's the uh, more like mm-hmm. larger language spoken but do you think they'd be like disappointed i guess i don't know maybe this is just my own internal like <laughs> sadness because <laughs> i definitely i don't feel a pressure when i go over to stefan's house but i think it's my own like if only you could speak the language and then you could actually communicate mm-hmm. with his mom i mean it's not like the mom couldn't speak yeah, english like you guys can english. communicate fine yeah that's true but i feel like if I'm in their household, like, I should be meet, meeting them. That's how I felt, like, go, even going to your houses, like, just as a friend, not as a significant other, but, like, um, going over to eat at your house or whatever, I I always feel like I'm I'm the guest or I'm the intruder, so, like, I shouldn't make people uncomfortable in their mm-hmm. own homes. But, yeah, yeah, that'll take a lot more <laughs> practice of my yeah. language skills. I don't know. I feel like my parents are used to switching to English whenever we have a guest over, unless it's, like, someone that they know from church that speaks cantonese but because they don't speak mandarin even when linda comes over they speak to her in chinese <laughs> so i don't know but i think for a significant other they would definitely be happy if i brought someone over who spoke cantonese i don't know about mandarin i mean my dad could speak to them in mandarin but like my mom would just be lost mm. so i think yeah someone who's cantonese would make them very happy <laughs> that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah. yeah like a nice yeah nice touch but yeah like a cherry on top <laughs> yeah but not like top. the end all be all yeah mm. this is reassuring <laughs> me thank you 
Yeah, because I, mean, I just feel call like... her Ai. I feel like that would be enough for the. Okay, but the next then I also years. feel like I know how to say Ai, like greet an older, like Ai how, like greet someone, but then I feel like. Is this a tease or maybe not a tease, but like, is this like faking because I can't continue the conversation? Like, that's probably all I could say. So should I? That's why like I've never greeted her like that because then I'm like, I might as well just use English because that's what I'm gonna use for the rest of the conversation. No, but it's the thought that counts. So you should say I. Hmm. Yeah. Also, like Chinese. Okay. I don't know about Stefan's parents because I don't know them that well, but like Chinese people put a lot of um, weight into like. Um, like the thoughts like, present, like when you go over a lot of people always like bring something over if you're going to someone's house like not that you have to bring it over every time but like if once in a while you bring something over especially like specifically for his mom i think she'll be moved if she's like a normal chinese person <laughs> moved <laughs> what and did your exes ever do that or did you coach them no. to do that it's just something I thought of, oh, like just now. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's some it's okay. like a thing. Like my parents, every time we go over to someone's house, they have to bring something to like show their sincerity or whatever. Well, I mean, like okay, see, I've watched like shows or movies where that's mm-hmm. a thing. Like especially fruit yeah. or you know, like oranges, mm-hmm. especially are like good luck to bring that. But then at the same time, like okay, am I making this a stereotype? And like, is this like old tradition like you know there's just i mean i don't think she'd uh, be unhappy with you bringing something over (laughs) with oranges (laughs) like get those oranges out of my house (laughs) no okay because then i flash back to like when i brought (laughs) lettuce to your house (laughs) yeah Yeah. okay okay as like she pushes it to the back of her Uh, okay this is becoming too much of like my own therapy session so do you guys have any final thoughts about i don't know growing up with the language or carrying it on in the future i guess like linda would you make your child go to chinese school Mm, it depends probably not but only if they had an inner drive to learn it on their own if they didn't they would like as a kid how would they have an inner drive I'll like nurture it from birth. Oh, so, so you'll they can subtly make them have an inner drive. <laughs> the inner drive will be like, I'm only talking to you in Mandarin, so <laughs> if you don't understand, <laughs> if you want to talk to me, <laughs> yeah, that's the inner drive. Like survival mode. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Sally, I already yeah. know your answer. So, are you gonna send your child to the same <laughs> the same Chinese school as mine? We can be. Um... I mean. Huh? If we're in the same area, I'm definitely sending my kid to your Chinese school so they can be competition. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe, brag maybe, about maybe not competition, but like, like first. study buddies. <laughs> Who had the best poem recital? Yeah. I've already like, even if my future partner doesn't even speak like Mandarin, or if they're not even like Asian American, I'm still sending my kids to mm-hmm. Chinese school. I've already like decided mm-hmm. that in my mind because... Honestly, I kind of feel bad for my future kids because I'm, I feel like I might put a lot of my own, <laughs> what is that called, projecting. like your own yeah, parents, projecting. like regret. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I feel bad for them, but. At the same time. I mean, yeah, it's good. 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 They'll thank me in the future. Okay, let's exactly. wrap up with one Chinese lesson each. 
<laughs> okay, I'll okay. go first. So, um, yeah. The, the phrase I want to teach y'all is a Cantonese phrase that has been, recently has been a very common phrase in my household. It's a very lighthearted phrase, okay? <laughs> but it means, okay, the phrase is, and it means, like, are you kidding me? Or are you kidding? <laughs> or it's just like a like a lighthearted phrase that when someone says something ridiculous, you respond with "yamo gao chol." Oh, it's yeah. lighthearted. Okay, because when you like first told us before the podcast, I thought it was like in a serious way. Like, are oh, you kidding no. me? Like that sort mm, of like antagonizing. I mean, you could, but <laughs> that's was like, are you actually saying that to your parents? <laughs> no. No. Okay. I guess you could. I mean, I could. <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, that's my phrase. Okay, who's next? Me. <laughs> Linda? Okay, so I'm teaching a Taiwanese phrase since I guess the other languages are spoken for. Because um, <laughs> Ming's doing regular Mandarin. And I guess we didn't talk about this, but I've been trying to learn Taiwanese from, I, I guess, the group that I'm in that we talk about Taiwan stuff and then from my dad. But... I don't think he he's not teaching me how to read or write, so it's gonna be the same thing. I'll just be illiterate in another <laughs> language, um, and we're not doing it in like any systematic way. Like he just yells stuff to me, and then I have to think fast enough to respond. Um, I mean, it's kind of actually no, it's not effective at all. So I'm just gonna say <laughs> one word that is the most useless word ever, but it's huntungin, which is I don't know if Sally knows what this means, so it's hutudan. Which what? is dumb egg. Um. And then <laughs> that's what he calls me sometimes. Okay, repeat the Taiwanese phrase again. Huntungin. Huntungin. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. When would you use yeah. this phrase? Dumb egg. Um, I mean, I can't call anyone else Huntungin because maybe once Your I have my kid. own child, <laughs> I can call them that. <laughs> <laughs> You can call me that. Oh. Call okay. me a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, so my word, so this week we were learning food or like coffee shop kind of restaurant-y kind of thing. So I'm like looking at the list now and there's a lot. I actually know a lot of nouns and I think that's something I'm realizing. Like it's easier for me to remember nouns because I you know, it's like an object, it's an actual thing you can imagine, but words like um, time or adjectives or like when and where are really hard for me to pick up on, so I'm not going to say those <laughs> words. <laughs> um, okay, so I can say cake because I had no idea what that was, but I also like making connections between um, Chinese words. I realize there's a lot of connections, whether it be like the word is in something that's bigger or like the character ha is like in something that's bigger too so cake is um <laughs> say it <laughs> say it cake has egg uh -huh. in it which is dan fourth mm -hmm. tone dan uh, gao so dan mm -hmm. gao is cake and i like the fact that it has dan egg in it because then i'll remember oh there's egg and cake so like <laughs> that's how i remember <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I've, like, been remembering a lot of things in terms of, like, you know, just regular, like, nouns. But other stuff is harder. So, you know, just trying to come up with that. Mm. Um, I like how you yeah. connected it to Linda's phrase, which is also an egg. 
You just say an egg phrase. We all know too. how to say it. I didn't say an egg phrase. Sally, how do you say egg in Cantonese? It's the same. Oh. The same thing. I mean, it's a <laughs> different thing. That's not that exciting. Yeah, same thing. Mm. I can't imagine nine mm. tones. Four is like, four's <laughs> pushing it for me. So nine is kind of wild, but now mm. you all have learned how to say three phrases or words. Don't know what you're going to do with this knowledge. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone, that concludes this week's episode. Um, we talked about our heritage language for Sally and Linda and then how we've progressed throughout our life, either like becoming more interested in the language or like being more willing in my case to um, learn it and I think everyone is in a different place with their culture if you're a uh, like a minority in America as a someone who kind of has to code switch at home and at school um, everyone has a different experience but I hope that you enjoyed hearing about our experiences and we did have a surprising variety of experiences actually like no two people are the same so Maybe you guys have a different experience as well, but I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And make sure to check out our website at movingalongpod.com where you can find all of our episodes and show notes with links. If you like this episode, you can follow us on Instagram and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Until next time. Bye. bye.